Friends beyond the binary, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and my patron peeps. I don't know, patrons, if this is May, May, May the 5th or May the 4th, uh, or it just feels like it. Uh, but may the sleep be with you, patrons, because it's time for Sleep With Me, the podcast you make possible to put you to sleep. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do it the bedtime story. All you need to do, or all you could do, if you like, and you don't even have to actually do any of this stuff, but you could get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. What I'll do is I'll try to do the rest. And what I'm going to attempt to do is uh, create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake, whether that's thoughts, things you're thinking about, or that are on your mind. They could be about the past, present, or the future. could be feelings, uh, physical sensations, or emotions that are coming up before you or that are already there. It could be changes in your routine, your time, you know, time, temperature, other stuff, uh, situational things. Maybe you got something going on. Maybe it's something else. If it's something else, I'm sorry. You could always let me know about it too, just so it's on my radar. Could be you. Li- what if it, this? This. I mean, I have talked to people that have been on vessels with well sonar. Yeah, what if you're, like, I know that people on vessels with sonar usually have already might need the podcast because their sleep schedules are off. But what if you were, what if you somehow lived on a movie, like a, a replica movie set? Uh, let's just say I fulfilled one of my life goals of living on the Hollywood, Universal Hollywood tour or in, like, well, one of my life goals was to work there, but another one is to live there. And let's just say they had, uh, at some point in the future, you know, with the, the rise of uh, practical effects. And it doesn't even need to be a Steven Spielberg movie. It could be another movie. Uh, but let's just say there was, a, like, some sort of set that the, the stu- like, the, the uh, tour only passes by, it only goes during the day. But let's just say it's a... Some sort of thing with sonar, active sonar, where it's making that pinging sound nonstop. And let's say it has bunks and stuff. So I say, well, boy, that's a perfect place for me to live then because I could sleep when the tour's not going on and it's nighttime. And then hopefully I'd wake up before the first tour comes in, walk down to my bungalow office, uh, and then I say, wait a second, and walk, you know, walk through what was once the set of what was a set of a good place, and maybe stop by, you know, one of the trucks and get some coffee. I guess it'd have to. I guess it'd have to. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I'd stop in at the motel there. I think that's just a set, but uh, I'd have to take a shower somewhere. I guess not necessarily in the morning, though. You're right. Oh, but what was my point? My point was if that sonar sound, that could be one of the things that's keeping you up. Uh, this would be more of a sonar sound effect. And you say, Scoots, don't you think that uh, because it's like a part of a tour and because people live in the area that it would only go on during the day while the tour's going on? Maybe even when the, like, is something, it turns on only when the tour buses are coming through. I say, whoa, whoa, whoa. First off, it's called a tram. I think tour tram. I don't know. Maybe tour trams is not right. Uh, but I thought it was a tram. Not a word that gets used enough. Uh, but uh, yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to quibble with you there. I just said, well, it's not a tour bus. But you're probably you could be right. So, but maybe I've you know reached my life goals, and then. You know, also, you know, did some good stuff for other people, of course. That's why they said, Scoots, you could live on our lot now. You really convinced the whole world to let us overcharge you for uh, <laughs> broadband. So we went and I said, well, I just canceled that idea. Yeah, but so, let's see, where was I? 
Oh, it's living on. But so, okay, I agree with you. Let's just say that it's malfunctioning. That's why I'm using it as an example at this point. If if it was all the time, you're right, I'd be used to it. So, yeah, it's just malfunctioning this one night. So I'm tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble, getting to sleep, trouble, staying asleep. Oh, also, I'm trying to record an intro to a sleep podcast. Oh, boy. Okay, so whatever's keeping you awake, I'd like to take your mind off of that. The way I'm going to do it is I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones, pointless meanders, superfluous tangents, meaning just like I just did, I'll accidentally go off topic. Not Yeah, accidentally on purpose, of course. Totally planned that one out. I mean, I, I have planned it out of my fantasies. Like I said, my main place would be the lifeguard chair right by the place where, um, oh, who was it? Angela Lansbury. What, who, what character did she play, though? She was on a, a show about right where she was a writer and she would find her lost things. Lost things she found. Uh, Cabot Cove. I can't remember her character's name. But yeah, so there's right outside of Cabot Cove, which is right by another place uh, like oh, that's a bit like Nantucket, there's a lifeguard chair. I would also like to be there and just wave at people on the tour. I guess I could do that while I'm doing my morning coffee and editing audio. And people, but I don't think people would be happy to see me if that's how I got there. They say, oh, who's that? They say, oh, that's Scooter. He was a sleep podcaster. And then he made that podcast, uh, Charge Us More. Uh, mon- monopolies are great, uh, or, you know, whatever. Anyway, where was I? Oh, so if you're new, a couple things to know. I'm here to help you because you deserve a good night's sleep. You really do. You deserve a place you can get some rest, a bedtime you don't have to dread or think about, that you could get comfortable, wind down, and drift off. And if you do that, your life's going to be better and our world's going to be a better place. And I, I, I deeply desire that for you because, one, you deserve it. And, two, I've been there. And I know how it feels. I mean, even in my fantasies, I got sonar going off uh, unpredictably. Not to mention all the other things that could, you know, not be easy to sleep when you're sleeping on movie set. Uh, most of the time I'm fantasizing about it. I don't also have permission or clearance, but I'm sure I'd be tossing and turning. I'd say, wait a second. People are paying $125 just for the internet a month. Oh boy. I thought I was trying, I was trying to get the, I thought I was trying to get the price to go down. Oh no. They said, scoots. If you talk about this, we'll let you, uh, anyway, whatever. Uh, so whatever's keeping you awake, you deserve a good night's sleep. And I know how it feels. That's why I want to help. Now, you've already noticed this show is very different and unconventional. So I want to tell you, it's okay to have strong feelings about it and maybe not even like the show or be like, what is this? When does it start? What is going on? That's a natural reaction. Most people have that reaction. And it does take two or three tries to get used to the show because it's a show you kind of barely listen to and you just kind of barely pay attention which clearly, I mean, I've demonstrated why already you should do that. You say, wow, you got big dreams, Scoots. Now, I can say with some certainty, there is a small slice of uh, the listeners that have shared these type of things. They say, Scoots, I thought I was the only one that was dream, you know, had that had that dream. And I say, no, there's a, there, there's a, we're out there. People that dream of living on movie sets. Uh, I mean, think about it. What, you know, what movie set would you want to live on or, or sitcom sets? So I forgot why that would qualify me to make a sleep podcast. But, oh, it doesn't. It qualifies you not to listen to me. You just kind of barely listen. I also don't put you to sleep. I'm here to keep you company while you drift off. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm here to keep you company and... uh yeah, keep your company while you drift off to take your mind off of stuff, not really to put you to sleep. I'm here to be your companion in the deep, dark night, your boar friend, your boar bay, your boar sib, your boar cuz, your boar bestie. So that's what I'm here for. 
And what else? Uh, so don't listen to me. I'm not really going to put you to sleep. You deserve a good night's sleep. Oh, other things. This really throws some new listeners off. I always talk about it. And I think a lot of those people, they skip this part. They don't hear this part where I talk about it over and over again. The show is built, I, I think, I don't think I said it. It's unconventional, but on purpose. So the show starts off with a greeting. Friends beyond the binary, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. So you feel welcome and seen. Then there's support for listeners. Then there's support for the show. Because the goal of the podcast is to come out twice a week for free. Then there's an intro. The intro is separate from the beginning business. The intro is a show within a show that gives you time to wind down. It's a little bit familiar every time. It's a little bit different every time. So you feel welcome. You say, okay, I recognize this place, but Scoots talks about something different every time, so I don't get used to it or fed up with it, or I never know where he's going, so I can not listen to him. And it also just gives you a chance to get ready for bed or to get comfortable or to start to wind down and do some other relaxing activity. So that's the intro. It's about 10 to 20 minutes long. Then after the intro is business, again, show comes out twice a week for free. And I appreciate everybody's support that makes that possible. And then there's our story. Tonight it'll be me trying to remember a well-known movie called Return of the Jedi. And I haven't, like, I can tell you that I, I recorded it yesterday and I said, oh boy, I got to watch that movie because I definitely missed a lot of stuff. Uh, and even though it took me almost an hour to record, I said, well, I don't know. There's a lot of blanks I had if, if, trying to remember. Probably one or two action sequences and some other stuff. So that's Return of the Jedi. And we'll talk about that for about 50 minutes or so. And then there's thank yous at the end. So that's the structure of the show. That's why I make the show. I'm glad you're here. I really work hard. I yearn and I strive. I really hope I can help you fall asleep. Uh, thanks again for coming by. And here's a couple ways I'm able to be here for you for free twice a week. All right, everybody. Scoot's here. And uh, this will be interesting. And uh, the, so I realized today, uh, well, I had it like over the weekend and then today, you know, I spent a lot of time kind of keeping an idea of like what I'm going to record during the week for the Tuesday, the random style episodes, you know, that we have a couple different styles we do. And I thought of one thing that we'll, or a couple of things we'll be covering uh, in the next year or so, but I said, wait a second, um... So I thought, like I said, we've covered a lot of the seminal movies of my childhood and in my like middle school, like a late grammar, elementary school, middle school and high school and beyond years and some formative movie going experiences. I don't know if we've covered them all, but we covered uh, uh, the Roger Moore, James Bond movie with Grace Jones and Tanya Roberts and Christopher Walken, A View to a Bridge uh, with Zeppelin. And while that wasn't a beloved, that was just an important movie for me, I think it was the first James Bond movie I saw in a theater. And I believe we've covered uh, Goonies and Back to the Future. Those, all three of those movies were, were related to a period in my life when I still played with toys. But when I became aware, that was just a big summer of movie going for me. And uh, where I became aware that movies were made, that there were people that worked on movies. And it wouldn't be, it would follow up with another big summer which maybe we'll talk about because I don't think we've covered any of those movies. Then another big movie-going experience for me was Beetlejuice, another you know memory movie memory I had that we covered was uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, and we've covered Beverly Hills Cop and uh, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, Dustbusters. So all really important experiences for me. 
but the foundation was built on the first, there's three movie, the first three movies that I'm aware that I went to the movie theater and saw, two of which were animated movies, The Sword in the Stone and The Fox and the Hound, which is interesting that they both, their titles are similar in a sense. And then this movie, which I should have total recall of, but I don't think I have, and that is the first uh, the first Star Wars movie I ever saw. And I don't know if it, which episode it is. Episode 6, I guess? Star Wars Episode 6. Why do I always want to say it's Episode 3? 3, 4, 5. Maybe it's 5, 6, 7, 8. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. So I think it's Episode 6. And it's called Return of the Jedi. And I think it'd be interesting for me to do a tale of the tape about that. But I, like, uh, I'm, I guess I'll talk a little bit more about uh, my like going to the movie. I've talked about going to the movie before, even in the Beetlejuice one. And I can remember. No, I think this is like a kind of an idea of the power of Star Wars. So in the, this period of time in the eighties. Was that I play? Well, I don't know what year Raiders or what is this movie called? Empire? No. Uh, Ewoks make a village? No, it's called uh, Return of the Jedi. Okay. Uh, well, I can't even remember that. A Je- or Jedi, as it may be called. Uh, but so I played with Star Wars toys, but I never saw Star Wars movies until Return of the Jedi. And I'm not even sure if this was on the first or the second run of Return of the Jedi. And this may be my imagination, but I thought that Star Wars A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back were so popular that they even had revivals before the third movie came out. Like, so whatever, they came out. Then it came out again. Then Empire Strikes Back came out. And then Empire Strikes Back came out again. And then Return of the Jedi came out. Not, and I'm not talking about reprints or anything. But I'm not sure if that happened or not. But, it, like, I can remember seeing, especially Empire Strikes Back, I can remember seeing the commercials on TV, all the cross promotions, and then the toys. But not being able to see the movie because I don't know. They said, "Well, you're just too impressionable and young. We don't need you go going. You can't go into. We don't need you going trying to be go a long time ago and far, far away. You're already far, far away anyway. And you know we don't we don't need you know we don't need this. Uh, these I don't know. I guess it's like just too intense. Plus, there's six kids in my family. I would have been old enough, and I don't know if my father or mother." What was interesting is I saw a lot of Star Trek movies with my father. Again, not on the first run, but on the um at a historical theater. So I don't know. Maybe I don't know if I ever talked about that, but I'll, you know, I'll talk about it another time, maybe. So at some point, Return of the Jedi came out, and my father decided that at least my brother Carl and I, and maybe my sister Sheila we're at a place where we could go see this movie. And again, my expectations were not based on reality. I had, I thought, I guess I had been to two movies, so I don't know why I thought this, but I thought that they would give away free toys or they would have a toy store. And in some sense, I don't want to brag, but I guess I was a visionary. I thought they would have a pop-up toy store selling just, I thought they'd be steeply discounted because you paid for the movie uh, or they would just give you a free action figure. But if they would have had a pop-up toy store at the movie theater, they would have made even more money. So not to give anybody an idea, because I don't know if any other movies are driving that kind of toy purchasing. I mean, I will say, I guess nowadays people do, like, like it would be hard to track and people would just keep the boxes and sell them on eBay. But I said, well, you know, if you give away a troll doll at one of those movies with every ticket, that would be pretty fun. So, I don't know. I guess it's like I wouldn't need the kid behind me saying, hello, could you comb my hair? I'm a troll. I'm behind you. I say, I'm trying to watch trolls, uh you know, Throwback City or whatever the next, I don't know. I haven't seen any of those movies. Probably would. I don't have anything against them. I think it's uh, Justin Timberlake and Anna Kendrick. I don't know. Is that who's in those movies? 
Okay, but so so when I went to Star Wars, I was like trying to already plan out. I know they had, like, I didn't know anything about the movie, but I'd seen the ads, so I know they had the Grammarian Guard. And I probably wrote my brother in with him and said, well, what toy are you going to pick out for the movie when they give away the free toys? And I wanted the Grammarian Guard. And I don't know if my brother imaginarily picked out, but it ended up there was no free toys or toys for sale at the movie theater. And I have no idea what movie theater we went to. Because whenever I think about it, and I'm like, oh, that's probably the movie. Is it like I see, I picture this actual movie theater that uh, we didn't really go to the movies at. The same movie theater, like out in the suburbs of Syracuse, where most of the movies I saw. Maybe Camillus Mall would have been where I saw most of the movies. Anyway, where was I? Interesting stuff here. Oh, boy, is this interesting stuff. So let's see. Okay, so, yeah, let's cover the movie. I'm trying to think of any other like memories I have. Uh, just wanted wanted to see the movie. So we were probably pretty excited. I don't, other than being disappointed that you didn't get a free, I mean, I remember really enjoying the movie and the experience, but I don't remember, and I also remember the letdown because I had unrealistic expectations of getting a free toy or trying to talk my dad into buying a discounted toy. Just an action figure, that's all I was asking for. I wasn't asking for like a, uh, you know, play set or anything. But at this point, I understand how the world works. So, okay, I, I accept it. So, uh, what is the movie called again? Return of the Jedi, which is pretty important. So, here's what, what I know. And, and again, you might say, Scoots, come on. There's no way you can't remember how this movie goes or the major plot points. And I say, do you want to bet? Because I bet you I cannot remember because I can't remember. So at first I thought it opened on the Ewa, on the moon of Endor. But now I realize, I said, no, it couldn't have started there. Because why? what are they doing there and why? So I said, you're right, where does it begin? And they said, well, where did the last movie end? And I said, with Orlando Double Cross. Uh, and they said, okay, so that's where it ended. Uh, and like they, they get like... Uh, Han was uh, uh, placed uh, like in a state of suspended animation, and uh, Luke was uh, had d- d- dealt with some of his father issues, which caused great emotional, you know, impact on him. But he was rescued by, I think, by Lando, Leia, C three PO, R two D two, and Chewbacca. And I guess Lando had parlayed that. So in some sense, like, we can't hold anything against Lando. Because really, he said, this is the best I could do. I didn't really have a choice. You know, they got here before you did. That's in the other movie, though. So it opens. um, I'm pretty sure this is how it opens. And actually, when you think about the opening, at least, and you think about genres in films, you say, well, this is interesting uh, because, and I didn't look at it this way, but it's a bit of a, like a, uh, like a, like a caper style heist type uh, setup. But it, it already starts, the beginning of the movie starts when that has already been implemented. And I say, wow, like, I really like those choices because it has a lot more impact than if you showed the planning of it. They say, okay, that's not a way to start a movie That's that this is just going to be a segment of. Um, but then you say, well, okay, then what purpose? Well, that's where we left off. It's like a Saturday morning serial, so you need this sequence. And I say, well, it's a cool sequence. I'm not criticizing it. I'm just saying... Uh, and it says in like the overall arching plot of the three movies, how does it fit in there? And I say, okay, well, I guess one, it demonstrates where Luke is and his progression. So you say, okay, you're right about that. That's just impressive. And then it kind of tells the story of Han and Leia. Okay, fair enough. 
and then something happens, but you don't remember. Like, are you or are you just buying time because you don't know what? And I say, no, I know what happened. I'm pretty sure here's how it happens, and it reminds me of Wizard of Oz as well. There may or may not be. I think what happens is, huh? And no, I don't know. Like, I think maybe, um. Do uh, C-3PO, is it open with C-3PO and R2-D2 and they go to the door and that's like kind of the, um, maybe that is what happens. Interesting. So this is what I think happens. I guess I, I thought something else happened, but I said, wait a second, that doesn't answer all my questions. So now I think what may have happened is, so R2-D2 and C-3PO show up at the, the desert Tatooine which we've seen a lot of, uh, maybe, out somewhere outside of Moss Eisley Spaceport. And we go there, and we're at the hut of the palace of Jabba the Hutt. Oh, you know what? They start off with this, the crawl that fills you in. So they probably the crawl the movie said, okay, chapter one, two, three, six, Return of the Jedi. Uh, you know, Star Wars, the, the Empire's working on, I don't know if I read this, but it, like it confused me later, but I think they were working on a new Death Star. Rebel Alliance has been trying to get, you know, scattered across the galaxy. Uh, Luke Skywalker hints, but, you know, but somewhere the the crime lord, Jabba the Hutt, uh, you know, what'll happen next? Just something like that. Darth Vader is at the height of his powers with the Emperor Palpatine. And soon, you know, they have a crushing grip. It won't be long till they have a crushing grip on the galaxy. So that didn't help us. But so I think R2D, so it opens with maybe some desert shots. So then let's just say, let's just say this happens. In my mind, it did. It didn't, though, but I'm trying to remember. They show up at uh, the, uh, what do you call that thing, Jabba's Palace. And uh, like very much like the Wizard of Oz, something asks them, what do you want? And they say, we're here to see Lord Jabba or whatever, Lord Hutt. And then just like C-3PO says, how rude, I don't appreciate your tone. Because it has like this camera eye. And then it says, eventually they say something. They said, let us in. Uh, because, you know, we're, we're very, very valuable and we could be, va- you know, we've been gifted to the Lord of Jabba. So I think they go in and we go into Jabba's palace. Jabba's got rock and band and uh, eats a lot of stuff. He's got, uh, what, what do you call those, uh, sick, like, like something that laughs at all his jokes, the pets. He's got people that work for him. And he, you can see that Jabba lives in the world of vice. Uh, and at some point we see Princess Leia working undercover. And I don't know how long it takes to reveal that also, and this was one of the cooler action figures, is that Lando Calrissian is also working undercover. So I think that's slowly revealed and c Bruce says, basically, I'm here to work for you. I think a gift from uh, Luke Skywalker or something or maybe a trade. I can't remember, you know, to, to, because of your majesty or whatever. And then I think there's a sequence that goes by and maybe R2 is like serving drinks and c 3 pos like has to run as a protocol droid, can speak whatever billion languages. And we saw this palace at the end of the second season of Mandalorian, which was cool because it was a similar sequence. Uh, then, and we oh, we see the Grimorian guard who are like uh, the, the guards of Jab, you know Jabba's tough guys. Then at some point we get this mysterious um, uh, sound effects and doors opening, and then in comes. Cloaked, just like I guess is similar to the end of the second season of Mandalorian. Uh, Luke Skywalker, cloaked undercover. So at some point, the Mandal—oh, here's a spoiler. At some point, Mandalorian and uh, 
Or, uh, oh, no, no, this is in the few. Wait a second. I'm confused about the timelines now. Because at the end of The Mandalorian, it's a younger Luke Skywalker, younger than the Return of the Jedi Skywalker, right? Is that correct, or am I way off, or is it is Luke Skywalker older? Oh yeah, it takes place. This takes place. Mandalorian takes place after Return of the Jedi. Okay, so that was just my mistake uh, among many. Okay, that solves that. So okay, so Jabba's having a party or whatever. That's all you know. Jabba, Jabba's you know putting on vice. Then this cloaked figure shows up and. Uh, it has no trouble with all Jabba's henchmen and says, Hey, I'm here to, uh, I'm here for Han Solo and my droid, you know, my droids and all that. Uh, and they, the Jabba says, You, you know, your tricks won't work on me because I'm too smart. And Luke says, Well, I'm, you know, I'm pretty tough. So, you know, what's, and then Jabba has a secret door where Luke goes to visit Jabba's pet, who is, uh, who's the, the, like uh, this, this, uh, dog that keeps drooling. And it's uh, Jabba says, if you can't, you know, if you, you don't want to be covered in drool, cause I heard that grosses you out. And I think this was a stop motion sequence. So then we have, and I, again, I haven't seen this movie in a long time, but we have Luke, uh, dealing with, uh, with the, the in the stop motion sequence dealing with the uh uh the the dog and trying to get the dog to just say hey if they do, give the dog a, you know you just got to brush the dog's teeth really so luke figures out if he brushes the dog's teeth the dog will stop drooling problem solved but it takes a while now looking back on it now i say did luke know this was going to happen because of something that happens later, but I don't know. So, but also Luke's trapped, uh, because it's a secret door. Meanwhile, Lando goes and, uh, tries to rescue, uh, Han Solo. Like, I don't know if he, I guess he defrosts him. And Chewie's down there too, or is Chewie, yeah, I think, I can't remember if Chewie's with him or not, because Chewie's pretty mad at Lando. But whatever, he defrosts Han, but Han can't see because it takes a while for your eyesight to come back. So that happens, and they get discovered, so they get caught too. Now, I don't think Princess, Princess Leia got discovered, though, so she's still undercover, I believe. But I could—I mean, I've been wrong about everything else. So then Java says, okay, I got a better idea for, for all these... Uh, like all these punks. Now it could be that Luke, uh, could be that Lando's still undercover though, and he doesn't get caught. I can't remember. I'm feeling like Lando is still undercover at this point. So maybe, um, it's just Luke had rescued, uh, Han and Chewie. So I don't know, but those, let's just say those three are busted. Everybody else is still undercover. So they say, okay, we're going to take you out to the desert to the Sarlacc, uh, which it turns out the Sarlacc, you know, dealt with the Krayt Dragon. The Krayt Dragon dealt with the Sarlacc at some point, I think, because I I think that's how um, uh, Justified got the... uh, his arm, Boba Fett's armor, but anyway, not important yet. So they go out there, they're on these like skiffs, but Jabba has this giant party barge. Now you could get this, I don't know if you could get the party barge, but you could definitely, one of my, at least somebody I played with uh, had that skiff, which was cool. And it's kind of like a pirate movie at this point. Uh, so that Luke has to walk the plank and they're like, they're going to make Han and Luke walk the planks, uh, and, uh, yeah, so I, I believe all that stuff happened. So then uh, they're on the skiff. Boba Fett's there watching over because Boba Fett was the one with Darth Vader, That one of the people that was Darth Vader that busted uh, Han Solo. 
So they take him out, and they're going to make him walk to the plank and uh, meet this uh, Sarlacc, uh, pit of Sarlaccian pit or something. And Jabba says, oh, boy, is this, you know, this thing, you know, this is exactly what uh, you deserve. They're probably bet- making bets on it. Great action sequence. I'm not doing it justice, obviously. But Luke had already thought of this or something because he has, uh, he has like his uh, lightsaber inside of, uh, what do you call that thing? What's that thing called? Uh, R2-D2. So R2-D2 at some point throws Luke his lightsaber. He does a bunch. You see over these sequences of how he's become progressed as a Jedi and his powers increased, his abilities have increased. Um, and so Luke does a bunch of moves. Uh, and also, I think even in this scene, we see that Luke has become somewhat mechanic, like uh, he's become a little bit of a cyborg. Meanwhile, I think there's like one sequence where Han can't see and he has to free Chewie or Lando. Uh, then... Uh, Boba Fett and a couple other people go and visit the Sarlacc. Uh, so that was like we thought that was it for Boba Fett. But a lot of good action. And C-3PO probably runs around talking too much. And Princess Leia deals with Boba or uh, Jabba. I don't know. I felt like that was back in the back at the palace. But maybe it happened on the uh, the barge. I wonder if Elder Barge was on the barge. But so, whatever, they get away. Basically, spoiler, they get away. Now, I'm not, ex- not exactly sure what happens next. <laughs> Surprise. But I think they all get out. Uh, they must have parked somewhere nearby. Somehow Lando pulled all this off. So, so I don't know how many years this took, this deep cover, because Lando was under in deep cover, so was Leia. But I guess some somewhere they had the Millennium Falcon and Millennium Falcon and uh, Luke's X-wing parked uh, within the region, and I think maybe they cover this by phone call or something. But Luke says, "I got to go to Dagobah. I got to go to the Dagobah system with R two. Got somebody I got to deal with." Uh, and they say, "Okay, we got to go meet with Admiral Akbar and everybody else that knows what they're doing." And they say, okay, talk to you. We'll meet up with you at some point in the future. So they go. So then the sequence splits. So if we follow Millennium Falcon, we have uh, Lando Calrissian, Han Solo, uh, Princess Leia, Leia Organa, C-3PO, and Chewbacca. I'm pretty sure this is when Admiral Akbar is still functioning as the admiral, but it could be, I think so. So they go and they say, okay, they say the, the Death Star is almost fully operational. Maybe it is, even is operational. Now, I think as a kid, even though they said it multiple times that it was a, they were building a second Death Star, I still kept thinking, is this a old Death Star just got damaged and they're repairing it? And I'm not even positive, but I think it was a new Death Star. Which, I mean, again, I'm sure there's been, there's been comedy and even clerks, but even in the season of Mandalorian. I mean, that's a lot of uh, investment. I remember the movie Contact uh, with Jodie Foster. And that movie had a similar but Earth-based premise about, like, investing all this money in a spaceship. Uh, but at least they kind of explained, oh, no, like, this is a spoiler. But they said, okay, we also are building a second one secretly in case this one didn't work out. So I don't know if that's how the, the Death Star worked. But anyway, they say, yeah, we're, they're building this Death Star. But they learn, you know, while they're building it, it's covered by this shield that's based on this moon on Endor. So we can't get to it to deal with it uh, unless somebody goes, it's this powerful shield. You got to be on the planet to get rid of the shield. So they say, okay, well, Han Solo and Princess Leia and Lando say, well, was Lando there? I think Lando. I don't think Lando, I think Lando comes in later because Lando has his own sidekick. 
Now, that's what I'd like to see, a standalone Donald Glover Lando movie or TV show uh, or whatever program, you know, starring Donald Glover, directed by Donald Glover. But uh, so, I don't know. So, because I say, well, who's that dude? He was a gill-based being. Or what was Lando? I don't know. He couldn't do it. Maybe he could do it. Uh, let's see. What was, what was Lando? Where was Lando? I mean, how did Lando become head of Bespin? I'd like to know that too. Okay. But so back to wherever I was now. Where am I? Okay. So that, that's Endor. That's the moon. Forest moon end of Endor. Or the forest moon and Endor. Forest moon. That's where the shield is. It's protecting, and it's going to be fully operational and have a view of like, uh, I don't know, the central, you know, central, uh, wherever Admiral Akbar is based. But Admiral Akbar is actually in the, I don't know, wherever the Rebel Alliance is, they can't let this thing go fully operational. But, you know, the Empire at this point is at full strength. Uh, also, at some point, I don't know if it's during this movie, I guess it is, because Luke's realized that Darth Vader's his father. Uh, Darth, we, we do learn that Leia is Luke's sister and uh, the daughter of Darth Vader. That's revealed at some point during this film. Okay, so they say, yeah, we'll lead the team going to... Uh, We'll land on Endor undercover. We're going to wear camouflage and stuff. And then we'll go deal with these. Uh, we'll break into the place of shield. We'll try to time it, shut the shield down. Meanwhile, Luke returns um, to Dagobah, the Dagobah system. And I think some of this was in the Timothy's, well, it's Timothy's on books. Um, Maybe I read some of these Star Wars books, uh, the other than those. But Luke returns to Dagobah's system, ostensibly to complete his training that he abandoned in the last movie. And I can't remember what Yoda says, but Yoda says, you know, basically, let's have some soup and tea and talk about it. Uh, you know, try, you must. Uh, patience, you know, the grip, you know, tries to give him, he's trying to tell him the truth, the truth teller. I don't know. I think he was more accepting the fact Luke wasn't there. And maybe he trains more. Maybe he did all his training in uh, Return of the Jedi. I mean, uh, Empire Strikes Back. I'm not sure, you know, when he's riding around in his back and all that stuff. Uh, but so, you know, Luke returns to talk to the teacher. I think in this movie is when he has to go into the cave, uh, and he goes in the cave, and again, this Ray did this in a different part. Uh, I guess she did it in that blowhole, the Nagulele blowhole, and when she went down there. But it's, I guess, it has to do with the Force or Jedi stuff that you go to this like place where you, uh, where you have you you kiss mysticism in some sense, you know, or maybe you're kissed by the mysticism. And so Luke goes in there and kind of shows you, oh, because the one thing about being a Jedi is, like, uh, you can't be consumed by your fears. So, like, you have to, um, you can't be consumed by want, wanting what you want or f wanting to be released from your fears totally. Or, and also, you can't turn to anger and hate. So, most for the most part, good good stuff. And I think this cave is supposed to train you or whatever, show you. But I guess that would have been in the other movie because it shows Luke uh, inside Darth Vader and that freaks Luke out. So that probably did happen in Empire Strikes Back. So I don't know if he goes to the cave in this movie. Now, the Yoda from the Yoda toy from Return of the Jedi, I had. Now, it's definitely, it had a, the cool things about the Yoda toy was Yoda had a pet that he wore around his neck, he had his cane. And he had a cloth robe, all of which were very easy to lose. Uh, so you'd lose the pet first or the cane first, and then the pet, and then hopefully the robe would stay on. So I have no idea what happens on Dagobah, other than that at some point Yoda says, listen, buddy, it's been great 
but I got to lie down and go to the big, you know, go to the big, uh, uh, big macaroon or macaroon in the sky and, uh, you know, meet up with, uh, Obi-Wan and, uh, maybe Luke talks to Obi-Wan. I don't know, but he says, put a blanket on me and, uh, come for me, Luke. Uh, and Luke says, oh boy, that's tough stuff. So, huh. And then I don't know what happens to Luke after it. Uh, so I guess I'm missing some stuff. So hopefully I'll remember that. And now it makes sense why we had such a big sequence at Jabba's Palace, like the two, two kind of two, two different good action sequences. Because otherwise I wouldn't have remembered anything. So now we're back on the forest moon of Endor. And we got a team there, right? We got, uh, now I don't know if they like uh, didn't land in the right place or what their plan was. I can't remember any of that. Other than that, they have to disable the shields. Uh, but so there, so it's Leia, Han, Chewie, everybody else. So they're supposed to be running undercover. And this is again a new effect sequence, great sound design. But at some point, the, the um, stormtroopers, or these were called, these were something else, uh, scout troopers, they were called. They rode these things called speeder bikes. Which again we get to see in the Mandalorian, but at this time, this these effects are really uh, top of the line, and in some sense, probably still stand the test of time against some of the other like because uh, I don't know if it's a balanced practical beautiful forest. I mean, you're talking like Northern California redwood forest. If you ever want to relive it, uh, like it's not an easy hike, but you could do the one way hike. Uh, it goes from uh, it's called the Steep Ravine Trail. It goes from Mount Tam down to Stinson Beach. It does take it's a pretty long hike, but if you do it one way, you could get a taste of, uh, and that way you're going downhill, you really get a taste for Endor. But so, uh, what else do we need to know? So, um, so okay, so Leia and Han... I don't know about Chewie, where Chewie or everybody else is. C-3PO's with them. But so they get into chases with these speeder bikes. I want to say Luke was there at this point. but Because, yeah, Luke was there at some point. Because he had to have a face-off with them. Maybe he wasn't. Uh, no, maybe he wasn't. I don't know. Anyway. Um... Me, I don't know. So who knows what happened to Luke? I, I guess I thought I remembered. But Hans, also Darth Vader knows. he He's visiting to do an inspection or talk to the Emperor. Maybe they just were living there. Because you say, why not? It's a powerful space station. It's protected, you know, by a, by a shield on a, you know, a moon that we didn't even investigate everything on the moon. But, you know, good enough. But so they deal with these speeder bikes, right? And uh, that was a really cool sequence. I do remember the front of a speeder bike getting cut off that I thought was by a lightsaber, but maybe I'm wrong. But so whatever. I don't. I don't. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's, was it Luke, Leia, and Han? Hmm. Yeah, no, I don't know. But so it's cool. Cool action sequence. Pretty sure Luke wasn't there, but maybe he was. Uh, and I just don't remember it. And then I don't know why. Maybe there was some other. Did they have to go on any other adventures before they got to the end of Moon of Endor? Mm, I don't know. But, so whatever. They end up, they deal with the speeder bikes. I think one person got away. At some point, they're all split up. It took, takes a while. They eventually all get back together. Then they're looking and uh, like... Uh, Chewbacca tries to grab something. They get caught in a net. Uh, and the next thing they know, they're with the Ewoks. Uh, and uh, the Ewoks, this is their home home world, this uh, moon. And so uh, they say, who are these people? We don't like them. Uh, and they, they look a lot like these, uh, the Empire, which is causing us trouble. So I think they're going to deal with them. There's a communication barrier. 
But then they realize they have some belief system where C-3PO has like a godlike status to them. Okay, but Luke is there. So, uh, so I guess Luke was there the whole time. So I was wrong about that for sure. So maybe there was some sequence. Uh, maybe there's just like Luke said, I'll meet you at Endor or whatever. Do a find my friends and I'm going to go to Dagobah. Then I'll meet up with you. Because, yeah, so th- anyway, so then they think C-3PO is a god. Luke uses the force to play that up. Uh, so he says, free my friends. And uh, then they they start, they realize the Ewoks are actually de- like dealing in, a, you know, they're constantly getting harassed by the Empire. And they're way outnumbered. So they say, okay, let's work together to deal with these empire because we got to get to this uh this bunker where the shields operated out of so um interesting and so yeah and i don't know so then they come up with a plan the plan is really cool and they enact a plan so they say okay we're going to capture this bunker and we're going to do it together. But, and basically, like, you know, it's like one of those ones, it's a roller coaster, right? They do all this cool stuff. They use more, uh, like, non traditional, like, they use traditional ways to deal with these, uh, ad at walkers, which were new, which, like, were already, or maybe there was a couple ad at walkers in other movies, but they're like two legged. Oh no! So they're not at at dt atsts or something, but they go have all this battle, and then it seems like they all is one. They finally get to the. They end up getting separated, and I think like Leia gets to the, uh, and a couple other people get to the um, the blast doors, and they're trying to break the code, but they can't break the code to get the door open. Then they think all is lost, but it really that uh, Han and Chewie, you know, were, were like, uh, I don't know, everything works out. Meanwhile, I'm pretty sure Luke um, just flies up to the, uh, what do you call it, the, the Death Star, and Darth Vader's like, let that ship land, like my son's coming to meet me or something. So I guess my memories are, like, worse than terrible about this. Uh, So I'm pretty sure... Okay, so the battle goes on. I'm trying to think of anything else I remember about the battle. But uh, basically, because I'm saying, okay, they still did everything, but they still can't get in. How do they get into the bunker? But I guess I don't know. So... They're trying to do that, but they got to time it like a lot of these movies, like with these shields, uh, the whole uh, rebel force is coming out of hyperspace right at this one time. I guess Luke's already on the ship, and maybe that was after the shield went down. And I'm pretty sure Admiral, Admiral Akbar is there because uh, he says, yeah, don't worry about it. Uh, um, you know, like he's, when's the shield coming down? Maybe they were already there and they say, you got to hurry up with the shield. Uh, now, meanwhile, Luke's on there, right? Now this is a big s- sequence, especially for a kid, because this was like serious intensity. And my dad, after the movie, wanted to talk a lot about the Ewoks and this, like, uh, his generation and kind of like where, where that fit in. But I guess as a kid, I, I was kind of struck by this. Uh, so Luke, I think, it goes and says, uh, like, uh, hey, you know, I got to deal with, like, uh, like, uh, you, you know, hey, Dad. He says, yeah, let's talk. Uh, and Luke says, uh, um, what's going on? And he says, well, you know, I work for the Emperor. What if we just cut the, cut the emperor out out of this? So let's go meet with him, but let's just get rid of him, and you and I can r- r- like rule the galaxy together. Like I said last time, and Luke says, "Nah, I'm not interested in that." He goes, "Well, let's just go talk to the governor," and or maybe they no, no I guess like uh, 
they go like, uh, maybe there's like different pauses and they're talking while they're, uh, having lightsaber interactions. But yeah, so I guess they're having like lightsaber interactions the whole time. And then they end up in the emperor's like throne room and there's all this drama and Luke ends up besting Darth Vader and the Emperor's watching the whole time. And even Vader's like, come on, we could take the Emperor out. And then the Emperor's like trying to encourage exactly what Yoda warned him about. You know, react, don't be, you know, don't, don't think it out or, you know, feel your feelings and then try to self-soothe and then decide. Just make a dis- rash decision based on your strong, intense feelings. And so he keeps trying to encourage Luke to do that, which would be adios Darth Vader. Now, and then Luke says, no, 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 that's not how it goes. Uh, and so then the emperor gets really mad. He has like lightning fig- fingers. He's like kind of like a sorcerer for like, for sure. And he uses lightning fingers on Luke. Uh, and, uh, then Darth Vader makes a choice. Uh, he sees Luke. Luke had let him go. Um, so then he goes against the Emperor. Toss it. Now, I guess it didn't work out. I don't know how what the, how the Emperor pulled that off, but I wasn't paying. You know, I didn't. I don't know anything. But he tosses the Emperor. But you can't really toss somebody while they're shooting lightning bolts because then you get lightning bolted yourself. Uh, so he says, oh, boy, Luke, uh, I'm totally in rough shape. Uh, let me see your face. Like, why don't you kiss my face or something or touch my cheek uh, so I can see with my own eyes you're my son. And it really is a heartfelt moment. For the kid, it was like the effects were like a little bit intense. Uh, so I said, oh, boy. Uh, but, I mean, this was before those other movies got made. So you get to see Darth Vader for the first time, which I think, I guess, was like a key progression. That's like, oh, this is a human being beneath all this armor, and he's someone's daddy. I guess he was never anybody's daddy, though. He was just like, a, he's, he's still a little boy. I mean, I guess that's what we learned through the whole uh, arc. And Luke holds him, and I think he even takes him. Now, meanwhile, the shield is down, but things, of course, still aren't going easy. And I don't know if they have to do the same thing last time. I'm pretty sure, and I don't know if Luke has anything to do with it or anybody else. Because I don't know, that's a lot to put on Luke if he had to get off and then go do something. But I'm pretty sure that at the last second, Lando and his gill buddy come in, and they're spinning around. And uh, But I think that also happened in the first movie, but it was Luke or Han. But anyway, Lando comes. I think Lando's the one who takes out the Death Star. But maybe Luke does something on board. I don't remember. Then everybody gets away. And then... Uh, it has to get all put back together, which actually they made it, did accomplish, especially to the little kids. So then they just have a party with the Ewoks. And the Ewoks are super cute. You know, they're, I think they're Henson creations. So they are popular with little kids, but they didn't really fit as so much with the um, kind of cold technology of Star Wars. And so I don't know how well it fit for playing, like with your own play acting or your own creations. I mean, I never, I mean, I liked the Ewoks, but I didn't have a lot of Ewok toys. Anyway, so the Ewoks have a big party. They say goodbye to Darth Vader at the party. Luke tells Leia that he's his sister. Her hair's down and everything. Then Leia says, Han says, well, I guess you're going to marry Luke, huh? Or whatever, something like that. She goes, no, he's my brother. I love you. And he goes, oh, I love you too. So they say, oh, boy, that's tied up nicely. Then we see Luke's dad, Anakin Skywalker, technically, old Annie. You want to know backstory, watch the Annie musical from Starkid. And then... um. What else happens? So then 
Oh, did we see Obi-Wan, Yoda, and Annie Skywalker all together? They made amends somehow. I mean, maybe in the other universe it's easier to make amends or whatever. It goes quicker. Or you have total force knowledge. You say, oh, well, people make mistakes. Uh, so they all do that. And then um, I think that's it. Everybody says, well, this is great. And then it flashes. Uh, and in some sense, you said, okay, that was it. That's too bad. The movies are over. I mean, for me, I could still have an opportunity to go back eventually and see the first two movies. Um, but yeah, I guess it's what I remember from Return of the Jedi, which is not a, I would not say it's super accurate, but, uh, yeah, that's what I, that's the tale of the tape in my mind of Return of the Jedi. Uh, thanks everybody and good night.